This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm here today with Seth Dillon. You may know him as the CEO of The Babylon Bee. He's also the co-founder of Not The Bee. How are you doing today? I'm great, how are you, Courtney? I'm doing well. So can you tell us a little bit about how The Bee came into be um, and your involvement in it and then what made you start Not The Bee? <laughs> uh, I, like the, I like the second question. Um, <laughs> I mean, the bee, the bee's five years old. Um, it got its start when Adam Ford, its its original founder, um, decided that there was room for this big void for uh, people doing comedy from a certain perspective, you know, like a conservative perspective, Christian perspective. Um, nobody was doing it well. A lot of people were doing it in a really cheesy way. Uh, and so he decided he was going to go toe to toe with people on the left who are doing new satire really well. You know, you got the SNL weekend update type stuff, the onion, things like that. Yeah. Um, so he just decided to launch a site. It, it, you know, it's got a great name. It's got a great ring to it. And he, he was targeting a specific audience and already had a bit of a following and it just kind of took off immediately. So um, clearly there was a lot of demand for humor from that perspective. So uh, we tapped into that. Not the bee just is a much more recent project of ours. It's come up in the past, uh, it was conceived in the past couple of years, but launched a little more than a year ago. Um, and Not The Bee is really just coverage of all those absurd stories out there that should be satire, but somehow aren't. And, uh, and we really conceived of that because, you know, satire is becoming more and more difficult to do in this day and age. Whenever I give talks on the subject, I always lead with a quote from G.K. Chesterton. He said that uh, the world has become too absurd to be satirized. And he said that over a hundred years ago, oh. um, but you know, it's become a lot more absurd since then. And so the project of satire has become more challenging, uh, just straight up reporting the insane stuff that's happening in the world is also really entertaining. So we do that too. Yeah. Uh, I, I just very quickly have to tell you that in the, you know, early 2020, I started posting stuff on Facebook and I would post a lot of the Babylon Bee. And of course, a lot of my friends who do not agree with my perspective kept telling me how ludicrous this was and they were right. checking me. Right. <laughs> and then I would post stuff from Not The Bee <laughs> and they're like, well, that's really funny. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, yeah, amusing. Well, it's always, look, it's always the attack that we get. You know, people on the left, they're not amused by our humor. Uh, they don't like our jokes. Uh, they're the butt of the joke. Oftentimes, we do make fun of ourselves quite a bit. We think the self-deprecating humor is very healthy. But, um, you know, the way the left tends to respond to our humor is to 
uh, rather than deal with the point that we're making and, and the legitimacy of it, um, or just laughing at it. It's a joke, right? You either think it's funny or you don't. Uh, but they will attack it and say that it's not just it's not just not funny, it's false, it's misinformative. Um, and I, I just think it's kind of a sad commentary on our times that we're living in an age where jokes have a truth rating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where yeah, so could you tell me a little bit about, about your thoughts on uh, twofold? One, what do you think the power of satire is? Um, and two, what do you think uh, yeah, that says about our times that we are, not able to laugh or that laughter has become you know fact-checked and true-checked and well i think that second part of your question speaks to the need for it you know that's that's why we need to continue to do it is is you know to really push back on the absurdity one of the one of the absurdities the main absurdities of our age is that is that you know we not we find comedy so offensive everybody wants a safe space nobody wants to be offended um they want to make all these rules about who you can and cannot joke about um, but I mean, to the, to the first part, you know, the, the power and the effectiveness of comedy, um, I'll quote Chesterton again, uh, Chesterton, uh, who, who said that the world's become too absurd to be satirized. He also said that humor can get in under the door while seriousness is still fumbling at the handle. And I love that quote. It speaks to the way that humor uh, is, um, disarming and can slip past people's defenses um, it can it can have an impact on somebody's thinking uh, in a way that uh, in a subtle way that's a little bit more um, uh, effective and persuasive than sometimes a rational argument or some kind of like scholarly paper or something like that. You know, it's it's it communicates the truth in a different way, a more disarming way. The way that I like to put it is, it's you know, when you wrap a a message in the package of humor, it's more easily delivered and received, um, and so. You know, that's one of the reasons that satire is so powerful and effective. It's also one of the reasons why it's under attack is because it's so powerful and effective. I think that, you know, people ask me all the time if it uh, if it's discouraging to me that we face all these attacks and misrepresentations. Um, you know, we got the New York Times calling us, um, um, you know, traffickers of misinformation, a far right misinformation site that traffics and misinformation under the guise of satire. Those are their exact words. Um, but, you know, that's not really discouraging to me, honestly. I mean, it's it's actually, uh, I think it means you're over the target. It means you're doing something right. It means you're being effective when the left is attacking you like that. Um, so, you know, we wear it like a badge of honor and move on. But I, I, but I, it's just testament to the, the effectiveness of humor that we're, we're facing so many attacks. Yeah, no, that, that's so well said. Um, what do you think of, how do you get around a lot of this? Because I know social media is a huge part of getting your material out. So how do you get around some of that censorship and that the fact checkers and? Well, some of it we can't get around, some of it we can. So, um, you know, to a large extent, uh, we have been able to reverse the rulings, um, the erroneous suspensions or, um, or uh, demonetization, deboosting threats. Um, when we make one of the differences between us and a lot of other people is that we have a very large platform, a very a very big voice. Uh, we have a lot of support in the media. If you've noticed, you know, whenever we come under attack by somebody like, uh, you know, like Mailchimp suspends us, or Facebook, you know, threatens us with demonetization, or or says that we're inciting violence with our posts or something. I'm on the news talking about it. You know, people on Fox are inviting me on there. I'm on Newsmax. You know, I'm making the rounds in the media. Um, we have a very friendly 
conservative media that's supporting us and getting our, our voice out there. And for some reason, so far, that's worked. I mean, the just bringing attention to these things, we get these things reversed very quickly when we draw attention to them. But we don't get them addressed by dealing directly with whoever it is. Like we reach out to Facebook, they ignore us. We reach out to Twitter, they ignore us. Um, but when we draw media attention to it, then all of a sudden they care. Um, and then all of a sudden they say, oh, it was a mistake. Now, not everybody has the following and the notoriety and the opportunity to get that kind of attention. Um, on their issues. So a lot of people are getting suspended for stupid reasons, politically motivated reasons, ideological viewpoint discrimination, and they have no recourse. Um, they can't draw media attention to it. They're just done. They're just blocked. Um, so we've had some success with that, but some of it, you know, it's just, we have to deal with it. Our traffic on Facebook, for example, is down, uh, is down, you know, like 80% from where it was just a year ago. Um, so we're not banned on Facebook but we just don't reach anybody anymore. I mean, we reach a small fraction of the people that we used to reach. And so far there's been nothing that we can do about that. You know, Facebook won't be transparent with us about what they're doing to throttle or limit our reach. Um, we just know that we're caught up in some kind of, you know, algorithmic adjustment that is suppressing us. Um, and that's very clear with the decline that we've seen there. So the, way, the best way to get around it for us is really just to encourage people to connect with us directly, get on our email list, um, you know, subscribe to support us so that we still have uh, financial support, even if we lose traffic from, you know, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. Sorry, that's a very long-winded answer to your no. question, but there's there's a lot to say there. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> <great>. <laughs> um, what are some of the, again, a twofold question. So what are some of the issues that you think are really important um, and best handled with comedy? Um, and how do you source kind of the how do you, you and your writers like come up with what you're going to tackle and make fun of? Um, I think any issue that is of like cultural relevance, um, I think that, I think comedy is like most effective uh, in, in this format, in, in the format of satire, when it has, when it's being subversive, when it's, uh, uh, you know, I, I, when I try to summarize our mission statement and as, as succinctly as I possibly can, I say it's to ridicule bad ideas. We ridicule bad ideas. So I think that we're most effective when instead of being preachy, you know, trying to like make a positive point, we are uh, undermining something else. We are attacking an idea that's uh, culturally relevant right now, that's popular right now. It's being pushed, you know, by progressives through celebrities, the media, the corporations, educational institutions, um, and is gaining traction and a foothold, and we are undercutting it by exposing it for how absurd and stupid and counterproductive and and uh, and, and harmful that ideology or, or position or policy is. Um, and so I think it's I think satire is extremely effective when used for that purpose. That's really what it's designed for. It's it's mockery, really. You know, you're, it's it's meant to be mocking, um, not just making people laugh, but also making them think. So. Um, you know, I think that's where we really, where we really, really find like our sweet spot and that's what we're supposed to be doing. What was the second part of the question? Um, so how do you decide what kind of topics you're going to tackle? We really, I mean, for the most part, we ride on the back of the news cycle. Um, yeah. we are looking at the headlines day to day, like just reading the headlines and then trying to come up with funny ideas for it. You know, like how would CNN cover this story? What would they say? Um, you know, we did one where we, we, uh, we satirized a CNN story and said that CNN had praised the Taliban, at least they were wearing masks. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, 
And you know that that ended up getting fact checked because a lot of people believed it was true. And the reason they believed it was true is because it's actually believable that CNN would publish nonsense like that. Yeah. Um, and so you know that kind of stuff is like we we just look at what's going on in the world, what's going on in the headlines, and we try to exaggerate it to make a point. Um, and you know when it really it, it, it's used as evidence against us when we get fact checked, like oh they're making their jokes too believable. That's not our fault. That's the fault of reality, not the satirist. Yeah. You know, like it's it's an indictment of whoever we're satirizing, not satire itself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are some of other than the censorship? What would you say are some of the biggest challenges and maybe some of the biggest uh, like pleasant surprises of running the Babylon Bee? Uh, interesting question. Biggest challenges? I mean, I, I look, the main challenge that we face is also one of the greatest opportunities. Um, you know, it's kind of uh, ironic and contradictory or paradoxical that way. Um, you know, it's, it's the, the effort to suppress us, the effort to attack us, to misrepresent us, to say that we're hate speech under the guise of satire or misinformation under the guise of satire. You know, we're faking it. We're not really trying to entertain people. We're trying to mislead them and and so, you know, the mischaracterizations are the most challenging thing because that, that you know, it's led to legal stuff. You know, we've had to send demand letters. We actually got a retraction from the New York Times at one point. Um, you know, so we have to spend a lot of time talking with lawyers and dealing with that nonsense and doing media appearances and everything. At the same time, it's almost like it has a Streisand effect kind of thing. I don't know if you're familiar with the Streisand effect, but it's like this backfiring that happens when you try to suppress something, you draw attention to it. Well, you know, we've benefited from that greatly because you know the media attention has of course increased our notoriety and our and our fan base and so we've we're reaching more people despite the fact that they've been trying to suppress our reach so except on Facebook we are not reaching more people on Facebook I will add that uh, disclaimer but um, yeah I mean those are pro that's probably the greatest challenge that we face um, you know the the other the other challenge uh, is honestly is just doing satire in a world that's this crazy that's this absurd it's People think that it's like all this low-hanging fruit. The world is so easy to mock and make fun of. It's actually not. Uh, some of our stories come true within hours of us writing them as if they were prophecies because we're barely staying a step ahead of reality. Um, so that's one of the unexpected challenges, um, you know, is just constantly having reality catch up to you. Um, but the second part was what? Surprises? So, like pleasantly surprising things, Yeah. Uh, I think one of the, <laughs> okay, uh, from a business perspective, one of the pleasantly surprising things is that we've been able to make this a profitable business. I mean, we've been, you know, it's, it's, it's great that not only are we having fun um, mocking bad ideas and, and, and doing something that we feel like is impactful and important, uh, but we're making a living doing it and we're able to grow, uh, hire new people. We now have a team of animators and videographers and we're making sketches and animations um, and, you know, we have a lot of support. I think we're, we're really pleasantly surprised by how much people have come and rallied behind us and supported us. Um, you know, in the face of the censorship, there's still so many people in America who care about free speech and, uh, and the right to make jokes, even jokes that you're not supposed to make that are politically incorrect. Um, so, you know, the support that we've gotten from people is really uh, pleasantly surprising as well. Yeah, that's, that's awesome to hear. Yeah, so can you talk a little bit about, I, I, you've mentioned it before, like this notion of uh, punching down. So what are the specific groups you're not supposed to make jokes about? And, you know. <laughs> I, it's, you know, it's the groups themselves and, and singling them out is more offensive than the jokes. So um, you're an example. I'm not allowed to joke about you because you're a woman. 
Um, if I joked about you, that would be punching down. And you know, it, this is the most absurd thing. In order for me to think that, right? Okay, I can't joke about Courtney. That would be punching down. That's me thinking you're beneath me. If, right. I, if I'm thinking in those terms, I'm thinking of you as being beneath me. I think it's incredibly condescending. I think it's absurd that, you know, they're, that they're trying to put uh, every people group into these categories on like this hierarchy where there's people at the top, you know, white, straight Christian men, I guess, are up here. Uh, we hold the most power, I guess, so we're the oppressors. And then everybody below us, you know, we can't joke. What's that? Well, that means I can't joke about anybody, right? Right. <laughs> um, I, re I reject the whole, uh, the whole premise of that. I think that it's, you know, if we're all created equally, um, and we all think of it ourselves as equals, then we should treat each other as equals, which means nobody's off limits. We can joke about anything. The only thing a comedian should be concerned about when he's making jokes is whether or not the joke is funny, not whether or not he's punching down at somebody who's beneath him. Um, that just makes him a condescending idiot. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So what are your thoughts on the current culture, the direction of our culture in this country? Um, and the hope for America. <laughs> I guess oh actually to me, it's the hope for the free rule of humanity, not just America, but I think it's incumbent upon America to preserve the free rule of humanity, so. Yeah. Well, you know, our culture, we've been in a culture war for a long time. And, you know, to piggyback on what we were just saying about punching, punching down, you know, like I, I, I reject that whole premise. And I would say, we're not punching down, we're punching back. That's what I say, because we are literally conservatives have been on the ropes in the culture battle for a long time. If anything, we're literally like on the ground in a fetal position, trying not to get kicked in the head or in the gut, you know, like we're defending ourselves. We are not at the top punching down. The ideas that we attack, these are progressive, popular progressive ideas. They come from celebrities, they come from the media, they come from, they come from education, they come from corporations, the biggest corporations. Um, these are really, they permeate our culture and our society. So we are we are attacking um, power structures, existing power structures, which is what satirists generally have success doing. That's what people call on them to do is right. to attack those things. So we're not punching down in any, in any sense. And I think that um, I think it's really important that we continue to fight back against that because yeah, culture is heading in a really, in a really negative direction. You know, we're losing sight of simple things like the differences between the sexes. Um, you know, we're, 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 we're calling for the abolition of police as, as buildings and cities are burning. We're, we're, we're saying that two plus two can't always equal four because that would be racist for some reason. You know, we have these insane, insane, insane ideas that are harmful to women, minorities, children, not just men, like everybody. They're harmful to everybody. And so, um, you know, they're pushing back on the that. Most, they're the most harmful, harmful to the most vulnerable, actually. Most harmful to the most vulnerable, including babies, by the way. Uh, abortion is a big topic that we hit on a lot. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that we're in a really uh, concerning place. My hope, I'm always an optimist. You know, I, I think of these things in terms of like a pendulum, it tends to swing back and forth. Uh, you get too extreme one way and people really push back on it. We just want to play a role in pushing back and getting the pendulum to swing the other direction. Awesome. Well, I want to be respectful of your time. So I have one more question for you. Um, what were your, do you, have you always held the same uh, viewpoints or have there been a shift over time? Um, yeah. Is that a question for me personally or yeah, for, for the Babylon Bee? Like, yeah, for you personally, because you came into the Babylon Bee. So yeah. yeah, you took it on and knowing it was a conservative kind of satire. 
Um, I, there probably has been a shift in my views. You know, I, I, as I've aged and matured a little bit and learned a little bit more about the world and how the world works, I've actually become more conservative. I think that, you know, there was a tendency in me to, when I was younger, be a little bit naive and think that, you know, um, a lot of these ideas that are so popular are well-intentioned and, um, you know, I, there, there's a lot of naivety there, I think, about, uh, about both people's motives and also um, uh, what the outcomes would be. And, um, you know, I, 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 so I think I've definitely shifted to become more conservative uh, just on a, on a, on a, on a political, uh, from a political perspective, but also theological and ideologically. So, um, but no, like major shifts on like major issues, I don't think. It's just been kind of a gradually, gradual uh, evolution over the course of time. Um, I guess that's kind of my short answer to that question. Yeah, no, that was great. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, tell everyone where they can find you. Do you have any other things you want to close out with and leave us with? Let us tell us. I mean, the Babylon Bee, easy to find. We have an app. Uh, you can find us on the App Store, iOS and Android. That's a great way to connect with us because you cut out, well, you largely cut out big tech. They, the Apple Store or Android Google Store could still shut us down like they did Parler. Um, but we're accessible there on the website, get on our email list. It's easy to find that on the website, sign up there. You can follow me on Twitter at Seth Dillon or on Instagram at Beechief. Uh, I'm on there too, having a lot of fun on Twitter and Instagram. Awesome. And uh, my super quick last one is that uh, what are your hopes for the future of the Babylon Bee and not the Bee? Uh, you know, without getting into specifics, because we have some stuff planned, at least on the near horizon that I can't talk about publicly just yet. But um, I mean, just to grow our impact, to continue to reach more people, we're still, we have a large audience, but we can grow it so much more beyond where it currently is. Um, and I think, you know, it, branching out into different forms of media is going to be big for us getting into video, but for both not the B and the B, not the B with commentary on some of this stuff, but, but with the B, you know, the animation that we're doing and the sketches that we're doing, they're starting, some of them are starting to get a little bit of traction. It'd be fun to make a show, uh, some kind of a series or something like that. You know, we could have our own conservative South Park or something. I don't know. Fun. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it would, it would just be fun to continue to grow in those directions and produce more, more content in different types of formats and, uh, and reach larger audiences. So, you know, it's our hope that it's, it's our hope that we continue to have the freedom to do that and that we're not, you know, suppressed to the point where we can't grow anymore. Um, but that's going to take everybody kind of banding together, being bold truth tellers and speaking, uh, speaking their minds and not allowing themselves to be silenced. Absolutely. I'm into that. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.